Hello, you're listening to the Weekly Lamington. I'm joined by two good friends of mine, Eden and Caleb. Hey, hey. Hey. Every week, we do the heavy lifting to bring you the biggest stories of the last seven days from Australia and beyond. This week, Scott Morrison lays out a plan for Australia's future at the National Press Club. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is facing criticism over ties to China's Belt and Road Initiative. 200 world leaders confront China over their treatment of Hong Kong and much, much more. On Tuesday, Prime Minister Scott Morrison addressed the National Press Club disclosing the Liberal government's intention for economic and societal reform. In a bid to end conflict between unions and employers, the government hopes to overhaul industrial relations, reform taxation and innovate vocational training. Essentially, this is a counter-attack against a looming economic crisis, an attempt to make Australia's more skillful and therefore employable in what ScoMo calls the Job Makers Scheme. Job makers. Ah, so it was job keepers, job seekers, and now job makers. Oh, is, that, is that the Holy Trinity? Yeah. It, it, Scotty from marketing, Trin- huh? <laughs> Scotty from marketing, baby. He, he gets really, it every time. Yeah, right. He really gets it. I reckon he was just like in the shower. Thinking. Oh, oh yeah. He was like, oh, I'm a genius. Job makers. Yeah, baby. That's how Why in the shower? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's where everyone deep ah, thoughts people do Get out of my head, Yeah, my bad. I retract Ugh. that. So, we have all heard of the job seekers and job keepers scheme, but what exactly does job makers entail? ScoMo didn't exactly go into a whole lot of detail about the specifics of the plan itself, but placed a huge emphasis on industrial relations, tax and vocational education. This comes after decades of escalating tensions between the government and the unions, which recently climaxed with the wake of the Ensuring Integrity Bill, aiming to further regulate and dismantle the powers of Australian unions, even being able to deregister working groups. Although, in ScoMo's speech, he urged that both sides put their weapons down to reform industrial relations and change the landscape of the Australian workforce. He also mentioned that the government will can the bill, redesign conditions for casuals and fixed-term employees, and focus on award adaptation. Cooperating with the unions is very Labour Party-esque, which challenges the reputation of the Liberal government to date, but could mark the beginning of a more progressive narrative for the Liberal government, as they hope to deliver a reform before the October 6th budget. The leader of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, Sally McManus, said that the long-awaited cooperation is a rare chance to once and for all reform the system so that it benefits the entire community. Morrison also mentioned plans for further subsidising TAFE courses, Shaggy, enabling more Australians to level up their skills and hope to establish Australia's ability to excel in the post-COVID world. Although, with a stark reminder that unemployment will rise before it falls and that it will take years to get back in black. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read something about three to five years. Something like that, I reckon. What, COVID, return to normalcy? Well, put us back in black. So put us um, in a yep. uh, budget... Surplus. Surplus, a budget surplus, yes. And that makes a lot of sense because COVID put a major dent in us. And didn't it take like 10 years for even the US to get out of the GFC? This yeah. shit takes time, you know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, something that I noticed as well when I was watching the speech is that there was an extortionate amount of people at the National Press Conference. How many? Like over 20. And it's I was looking into it. Didn't we look into it? So ACT, because obviously that's where they hold the the press conference. It's not a press conference, sorry. The, the club meeting or dinner or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so I, I think I did see them maybe social distancing, maybe like a meter or something like that. But there was definitely it was definitely not within the regulations of the covid rules so what you're telling me 
is that we can have more than 20 people gatherings now? Yeah, because ScoMo did, did, did it. ScoMo yeah. did it. We, it's a 10 limit in ACT right now. So 10 limit, what, what is it? Wow, it was definitely... <laughs> dude, there was like... Uh, there was probably... There was over 60 people. <laughs> probably. <laughs> no. Including like... And that's not including uh, staff. How did no one estimate. kick up about this? Dude, How did I'm no kicking up on this. Uh, uh, it's it, it was literally the press. Yes! They're the ones who would kick up on it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. It's the weekly Lamington's job yes. to kick up about these where, things. Scott where, in his the, place. where the press watchdog. Yeah. Yes, we'll be the watchdog. Ooh, the press we'll watchdog. Be the watchdog. I like that. I like that. Okay. But it kind of concerns me because him taking away the insuring integrity bill, so he's obviously, you know, he's, he's pulled the brakes back on f- trying to fuck over the unions. But is he just trying to butter the unions up for maybe something that's coming? Maybe some you know, wage cuts in the future? Well, potentially, because traditionally the unions are not really fair game for voters because the Labor Party is the Labor Party, they're the Workers' Party. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of swooping in on Albo's territory. Yeah, he's definitely um, pandering to the populace, which is very, yeah, it's, it's quite um. It's quite a good move, though. It's a good, and it's probably a better it's move because we don't, at this point, we don't want politicisation. Yeah, and I think he's kind it's of cool, like yeah. peeking an eye to just Indar, seeing that everyone is lapping over her. Didn't Are they doing a four-day work week there? Yes. yes. They yeah. Actually, they're trialling that. So maybe that could be us next. I don't uh, know. I swear I heard a study, um, like Denmark or something did a four-day work week and they've kept it because it increased productivity. Yeah, and the Nordic countries yeah. definitely have it on. Like Sweden does a six-hour six uh, work week, like a work day. Even their schools, right? Yeah, something like that. Apparently, apparently, I don't know if this is true, but if you work full-time in hospitality, you can claim a one-hour full-body massage. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And oh, yeah, we should just add that in. That, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, there's this guy named Neville Power who's the leader of the COVID commission, which is pretty much the commission that's, you know, getting us out of COVID. It's transitioning us out of COVID. And he is an ex-oil and gas boss. Yeah, he's an iron ore man. Yeah. Don't you find it really funny that his last name is Power? Yeah, it's very... Power. Yeah. It's very convenient, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Made for it. It worries me that he has a oil and gas guy um, spearheading the transition out of a COVID economy. Uh, It sort of seems like ScoMo's putting his eggs in the oil and gas basket. Yeah. Did you see that um, there was a, a headlining say, natural gas, is that our way out of COVID? So maybe, yeah, maybe this is a way of, you know, him buttering up the unions, being like, we're doing it for you guys. But in actual fact, he's cutting a bunch of red tape, bunch of green tape, which, I mean, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's genuinely like detrimental to ecosystems True. to do that. But it's kind of like, I don't really like the idea of them cutting corners or saying, oh, well, uh, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, unprecedented times make for unprecedented measures when you're, you're cutting green tape that's actually necessary so maybe it's a distraction because at the end of the day like it was just a speech and it was even um the shadow agricultural minister joel uh fitzgibbon was like yeah it's kind of kind of an underwhelming speech <laughs> um one of the highlights was that one of these journalists asked him uh so scamo yeah are you gonna take a pay cut you're, you're expecting everyone else to do it tough are you gonna do it tough too and scamo was pretty much like nah nah, nah, nah mate i'm nah, saving nah, for nah, hawaii nah, 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 nah. What, what is it, only like 550k a year? Something like that, and they oh. bumped it up. They did. He bumped it up. Yeah, yeah, he did. Not just for himself, but... Yeah, yeah. Still. One of the first things he did in, in, in power was that's bump pretty, up his that's pretty, uh, that's pretty confident. Yeah, it is. It's, it's Very uh, early in his own Well, what's the point of having power numbers. if you can't wield it to your benefit? 
Uh, but yeah, so, something else that worries me about ScoMo's plan is, you know, he's putting his eggs in the oil and gas basket. Is that going to help the future of Australia legitimately? Like, is it going to, it might bring us out of this hole in the short term. Yeah. But in the long term, we don't have like a, an industry besides for oil and gas and education that's really putting us ahead of any other country, yeah, which like, is scary. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, okay, to his credit, I, d- I do think he kind of uh, pandered to this idea that, yeah, let's, it's time to diversify. We're going to make sure everyone has more skills. Australians are more employable. They're smarter. There's better rights. So we can maybe, like, fuel those industries, and which is fucking obviously a great idea. Like, oh. But at the same time, he's focusing on fossil fuels. Our workforce isn't prepared for the future of the global economy, but at least we have resources to fall back on. Like that's our foundation of our entire economy, our entire society even. Yeah, it's pretty significant because he said he wants to uh, prop up vocational education. So that's like, you know, a bunch of like TAFE courses and shit. So I think his research is telling him, don't put your eggs in the uni basket because the future of your country will not find employment through university degrees that's kind of a hectic thing for your pm to say no well he didn't outright say it but he was even stressing go to tafe before this queensland had a big thing about go to tafe don't go to uni so that's that's where i feel like he thinks the country needs to go which is bad because for every one university degree created statistically speaking it creates a further 10 jobs just because of your starting up an industry and you're employing people through your work which is uh which is not good if we don't have that. Oh, we, we just need to place a huge importance on education itself. Yes. From all aspects, TAFE or uni. They, all, they both have a place for, for, each, for any industry. But for a, for a strong society, we need both to be strong and yeah. people being employed when they go out of uni. Because uh, at this moment, it's pretty hard for uni kids to graduate and find a job. It's for the COVID cohort, hey, uh, universities have lost 40% of income. Because of international students. I think that that's going to be one of the first things that Australia does is open its doors to international students. Yeah. Because... uh, Then in that coin. Yeah. uh, There are a lot of jobs going though. I think I saw like estimates are at 21,000 uni jobs. Uh, Okay. But back to the JobKeeper's spiel. Um, Yeah. So basically they underestimated how many people needed it. So it revised down from 6.5 billion to 3.5, which means that the error is estimated to be... A loss of sixty billion because yeah the number of Australians receiving JobKeeper initially they estimated to be six point five million and it went down to three point five million. So the error is that there isn't as many people receiving JobKeepers as they thought. So which means that it's it's been reduced the JobKeepers scheme one hundred thirty billion dollars to seventy billion. I guess from the government's perspective, they're trying to say that people wrote like one thousand five hundred instead of one employee. Oh, that's what, yeah. the, that's what the payment is. So they put 1,500 in the employee section. Yeah, yeah. But how many times could that... Like, uh, are people really that stupid? Mm, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but... It sounds to me like a bit of shifting of blame because are people ever going to get access to those documents to, to comb through it and check how many people mis- accidentally did that? Yeah. I more think it's just Frydenberg trying to cover his ass for being like, even though I'm the, I'm the treasurer, I did mismanage this by $60 billion, which yeah. is a huge fuck up. Before we uh, move on, I want to mention, you guys know Penny Wong, right? Senator, uh, she's from the Labor Party. Yeah, she's cool. Mm-hmm. She's cool. She actually had something to say about Frydenberg, about this 
hole in JobKeeper. Because Penny, Pennywog said that Treasure should have the courage yeah. to own up. And ScoMo but even told her to like lay off or just be like, nah, we're not going to inquire about it. Look, y- yeah, and, and the opposition party is always going to call you out for that shit um, wh- wh- whenever they can. And y- you know what, uh, Frydenberg, you did well. We came out of this and the economy could have been... $60 billion worse off. I'm glad that it was not the opposite direction and they misjudged it by a $60 billion yeah, on top of yeah, yeah. it already. You know, so Rather than the other way around. Exactly, yeah. It's a silver lining to what has been a catastrophe for Australia. Now, here's a quote from Scotty himself. The extent of the damage wrought by COVID-19 on the Australian economy and the enormity of the challenge we now face to get Australians back into jobs means the policy priorities for recovery will be different to those in place before the crisis. So it's hard to jump down his throat yet. And as we saw from the JobKeeper spill from Wong, it's hard to get a grasp on the ins and outs of, you know, where the cracks lie when he hasn't really said anything. The only thing that we do know is that the intentions definitely prevail within the oil and gas industry. Hopefully he has unveiled his true plight with the mask of societal reform. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Over the past week, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews has found himself in hot water for his government's links to China's Belt and Road Initiative. This has come to a head as Victoria was locked in the tail end of negotiations with China to strike a final agreement on a BRI investment roadmap, which has been delayed due to the global pandemic. The BRI, announced in 2013, is China's central global development strategy that aims to rebuild their traditional Silk Road trade route through foreign infrastructure and investment projects. Daniel Andrews has been heavily involved with the Melbourne-based Australia-China Belt and Road Initiative, a non-government, non-profit organisation appointed as a consultant to the Victorian government in 2017. Key Australian ministers, including the two major party leaders, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese, have raised concerns with regards to BRI projects. Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton described the BRI as a propaganda initiative. Though no major projects have officially been approved, ACBRI did receive two instalments of taxpayer funding, totaling just under $37,000. And one of these payments wasn't reported due to an administrative error. Make of that what you will. Andrews has refused to enter his state's ties to the BRI and has even provided that announcements regarding the next phase are to be expected soon. In the days following the backlash, US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who in the past has likened engaging in Belt and Road Initiative projects to selling your soul, <laughs> made an opinion. So American, isn't it? It's very Like American. very Trump. Sell your soul. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Pompeo made an appearance on Sky News Australia's Outsiders program to comment. I don't know the nature of those projects precisely, but to the extent they have an adverse impact on our ability to protect telecommunications from our private citizens or security networks for our defense and intelligence communities, we will simply disconnect. We will simply separate. We're going to preserve trusted networks for important information. We hope our friends and partners and allies across the world, especially our Five Eyes partners like Australia, will do the same. Soon after, the U.S. ambassador to Australia said that Pompeo was merely dealing in a hypothetical. For context, his major concern with regards to telecom is tied into the information sharing of the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance between Australia, the US, Canada, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Among the Five Eyes nations, there have been growing fears of Chinese tech giant Huawei's influence in establishing 5G networks. Yeah, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the UK, uh, he 
signed up to a Huawei deal, backed out of the deal, signed up to the deal, and now he's backed out of the deal again. He, mm -hmm. He's he's umming and about it, and um, I don't know, has anything got to do with the fact that he got coronavirus? And maybe he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a little spooked, like or he's, he's he's feeling his uh, mortality a little bit. Yeah, I I heard someone joking about oh maybe Pompeo got on the phone with him right after he got uh, out of the hospital and was like yeah, do you still want to? Uh, Go on with that 5G thing, mate. Well, it would make sense that he's thinking that way because Brexit's been in the works for a little bit. Yep. And there's a real potential for there to be a no-deal Brexit, which means that Brexit and the EU won't have explicit trade deals when Britain does finally leave the EU at the end of the year. So maybe they're trying to consolidate trade alliances with traditional partners like the US, maybe with Australia, with just with the Five Eyes in general. I'd say people might be who are listening might be thinking... But it's just one company, it's just one Chinese company, it's just like one industry. But China Daily, which is one of the Chinese Communist Party's main newspapers, it's how they disseminate information, it's their kind of mouthpiece on some level, said that the Chinese government has attached great significance to the way Huawei is treated overseas and literally takes it increasingly as a test zone of bilateral ties. And in the same article, they even said... Britain will meet retaliatory responses if Boris Johnson's government bans Chinese telecommunications company Huawei from its 5G network. What would a retaliatory response be? Maybe they'll put some tariffs on their industries. Ah, oh, tariffs. Okay, yeah, yeah. Something like I'm that, starting maybe. to see a bit of a pattern now, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Pompeo is concerned about telecom. And he's worried that Andrews is going to allow Chinese firms to invest in Victorian telecom infrastructure, among other things. But in Australia, telecom projects fall under Commonwealth jurisdiction, so that's not really a necessary worry for him. Because it's not, it's not physically possible. No, like yeah. the Prime Minister would have to approve it. When Andrews was approached for comment over Pompeo's remarks, he said that he hadn't seen the interview, but clarified that his position on these matters is very well known. It's all about Victorian jobs. He further said that the partnership doesn't mean we agree on everything. There are many things we don't agree on. But what I think all of us here, and indeed both parts of our partnership, both Victoria, Australia and China, surely we all have to concede and we all have to recognise that a good strong partnership is in everyone's interests. Another one of the CCP's newspapers, the Global Times, has also chimed in, stating that Australia should realise that the US views it only as a lackey and that they will not come to Australia's rescue. Further, China's Melbourne consulate has accused critics of Victoria's BRI agreement of making distorted interpretations and unwarranted attacks. We can see a pattern of increasing pressure being put on countries by the Chinese and US governments to pick a side in what Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has recently dubbed a new Cold War. Looking forward, it's more important than ever for actors who represent the interests of their countries to remain transparent and accountable. As the world begins to transition out of lockdown, trade ties are more important than ever to ensure a stable global economy. It's actually, uh, it makes it kind of real, doesn't it, having an official say... The new Cold War. Because, I mean, I personally feel like... You're the foreign minister. Right. I wonder if we will start to see a definitive global split. It's like you're either on China's side or you're on the US's side. Because they're kind of making you choose at the moment. Yeah, uh, I saw Xi Jinping, uh, China's leader, talk at this event. And he was pretty much saying, you know, do you want to be on globalism's side or isolationism's side? And, you know, because the West like Trump and Britain with Brexit, um, you know, Trump's wall have been really connected with the idea of isolationism because that's literally what they're doing. They're breaking themselves off for the rest of the world. So that's kind of what China wants the world to decide between. Do you want a globalized world? Well, their version of a globalized world, 
or America's version of the world. Well, interesting that you mentioned that because in the past few days, Skoma at one point made a comment about how he didn't want Australia to be a protectionist country, which is effectively isolationist. Like you protect your own assets for your own domestic industry as opposed to other things. So he was saying like, we want to trade. We want to be a globalist country. And that's why uh, Daniel... Andrews, he, that's a really good answer, what he said before. And I feel like he really... Definitely. You know, that that's that's really, I guess, the crux of it all. Like, why can't you see the benefits of just it being purely business and, it, and being trade partners? It's going to create, like, 1,500 jobs in Melbourne. Like, it's not that many jobs, but it's still fucking jobs, for you the know? First, for the, you know, for the first fee, exactly, you know, it's going to keep on progressing. Also, yeah, right now when we need jobs, like ScoMo's focusing on jobs, that's one of the key issues. But I can understand why they're concerned about um, engaging in plans that are included amongst the Belt and Road Initiative plan. It has been dubbed as their plan to, you know, become the economic powerhouse of the world. What they do effectively is they're going to set up all these ports, all these infrastructure projects all around, you know, like um, Middle East, uh, all around Southeast Asia, um, South Pacific as well. South Pacific, everywhere that they possibly can in, that's close to them geographically to make trade more efficient. It's kind of like a link, like if you imagine it on a globe, like imagine starting the Pacific in Australia and going up to China through all those islands and then out past India all the way down through Africa into Europe. Like it's, it's basically a trade network that ostracizes the U.S., it is, it's a pretty good idea in terms of global economy because it is going to speed things up. But the only thing is there's been accusations of something called debt trap diplomacy. Uh, I'm not sure if they're trying to get people caught in debt, but what they're doing is, for example, they went to Sri Lanka and they said, let's build a port and so we can have imports and exports more efficiently and we'll boost your country's economy. Now, they built this port for them on loan and when Sri Lanka, surprise, surprise, couldn't pay it back, China turned around and went, okay, we now own this port. Same thing happened in Nigeria. Yeah. As well. I think other countries as well. Yeah. yeah. It's happened in a few countries. And that's why Malcolm Turnbull, you know, the prime minister before ScoMo, told China that he wasn't going to get involved with the Belt and Road Initiative, or he was skeptical of it at least, because of things that happened in Sri Lanka. He says the only deal we want to be a part of is one where we have a say. And it doesn't seem like you want other countries to have a say in terms of the BRI. How is uh, the BRI doing globally, actually? At the moment, it's a, it's about 130, I think. That's a little under that. That's a lot of countries. That's over half. Yeah. Yeah, so China hosts a Belt and Road Forum every year. It's quite exclusive, too. It is quite exclusive. And two years ago, only 20-something countries went. But last year, 37 countries rocked up. So it's obviously a growing thing. A lot of countries around the world are being like, okay, we need to get involved with this because this is the fucking future of the world. I'm pretty sure Dan Andrews went to that as well. Literally only Victoria, but yeah, effectively Australia. One could say that Dan's a smart man. Maybe the right side of history. Maybe the right side of history. You're exactly right. So what Dan was doing, he's standing by the deal. I think that he sees himself as, yeah, as you said, the right side of history because he's standing by it. If he doesn't turn to shit. It is unclear if Dan Andrews is a good guy or not. Like You can't really tell because he's been quite staunch in his... Uh, support of these programs and what he's doing like he's not but he's not like you know pro-China he's just like pro-trade he's pro-Victoria well he seems interested in Victorian jobs as he said so even if there was some malicious intent even if he's getting some reward for building the bridge between Victoria and China from China um, 
it's it might still lead us to prosperity, which is I don't I don't know how to feel about that. That's that's neither here nor there. Well, yeah, it, I think it's difficult because there is a lot we don't really know. We, there there are right. a lot of things we do know, but we don't really know the intentions. We don't really know what's going to happen as well. The Andrews BRI saga is a small part of a bigger story, the story of global power and influence in the modern world. Some call it a trade war, some call it a cold war, and some simply call it business. Many have thrown in their two cents as to the future of trade between China and Australia, and there's no doubt that as more happens, more will join the discussion. What has been one of the most unprecedented moves against the Chinese Communist Party in recent history? Nearly 200 political figures from around the world, including 20 from Australia, have formally denounced China's new proposed national security laws for Hong Kong. Now, Hong Kong is technically part of China, so they are within their right to introduce laws such as this when they see fit. This was agreed upon in 1997, when Britain formally handed back Hong Kong to China, in the famous Sino-English Joint Declaration. A clause to this handover was an agreement that Hong Kong would be China's property, but they would remain semi-autonomous until 2047. This was called a one-country, two-system policy. A clause also included in this agreement was that if Hong Kong's national security was ever threatened or didn't remain intact, they could interject. So. During last year, hundreds of thousands of protesters descended into Hong Kong streets to protest China and demand that they stay out of their country's affairs. Now, unfortunately, some of these protests turned violent, and China is using this as a reasoning to forcibly introduce new national security laws designed to stamp out treason, secession, sedition, and subversion. This would effectively outlaw most forms of dissent against the Chinese Communist Party. This might sound alarming, but Hong Kong's chief advisor to the nation's leader had some calming words for the country when an Aussie journalist called Hamish MacDonald questioned him on the proposed laws on RN Breakfast yesterday. Young people, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, carrying signs for independence that uh, because of social media have kind of been swept up in this whole thing. Many of them have no idea and they're, they're, they're really killing their future. You know, if you don't plan to engage in acts of secession, subversion, terrorism, conspiring with foreign influence uh, in connection, you know, with Hong Kong affairs, you have no reason to fear. Uh, and I suppose many will continue. And so as you describe it, 12, 13 year olds hold, holding up a sign might be considered yes. to be committing an act of, uh, of sedition. You, if you're calling for independence. So, these proposed laws have been criticised for being extremely vague, and this seems to be the case. For example, subversion. What does that even mean? It, it, it means actions that undermine the ruling power. What actions would those entail? Surely spearheading a revolt against the Chinese government, but what about signing a petition or posting something critical of the party on social media? The CCP has already outlawed those things in their own nation. What's to stop them doing that in Hong Kong once this bill's passed? So three of the Five Eyes, the group that Caleb mentioned before, said in a joint statement this week that these new laws clearly undermine Hong Kong's autonomy and its citizens' civil liberties. And they had this to say, Making such a law on Hong Kong's behalf without the direct participation of the people, legislature or judiciary, would clearly undermine 
the principle of one country, two systems, under which Hong Kong is guaranteed a high degree of autonomy. So this bill is expected to pass in China today. They can make this law in their country without even consulting Hong Kong. Do you guys think China is overstepping here? It's definitely going to pass. They're, they're voting on it today, and they've, they've announced that they're going to do it. Why would they announce that they're going to do it if they're not going to fucking pass it? They're going to pass it. Yeah, true. But then last year they tried and to do something similar and it didn't go through. Yeah, so I think you're referring to the extradition laws that they tried to bring in so they could extradite whoever the fuck they want to from back Taiwan. To, back to China. Yeah, yeah, from, oh. from Hong Kong and Taiwan back to China. Yeah. Yeah, and but that was predicated if Hong Kong parliament voted on it or not. But this bill isn't even being introduced into Hong Kong Parliament, which is a democratic parliament. It's being introduced into the Communist Party's parliament, which is if you introduce a bill, it goes through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, even the Hong Kong president is on board. Carrie Lam. She's, she's yeah, she's she? backing. She says that this is necessary. She probably wants to end protests. She does, because to be honest, all the protests last that were going on last year, you know, um, against the extradition bill, that did fuck with... That was a lot of it. The protests occurred in the financial hub, which uh, meant a lot of people couldn't go to work, which meant a lot of the country's economy kind of hurt from that. There'd be less investment as well. Exactly. Yeah, and Hong Kong's already kind of fucked anyway. Yeah. They're and not c- getting the type of investors that they used to. No. You know, it's... it's, it's, it's it, People, people are afraid to go there because of the protests, how violent they are. They've kind of destroyed Hong Kong. Coronavirus on top of that, you know, it's not helping yeah. them. Also, extradition treaty, that didn't go through, right? No. Well, they, they won. Nice. So, protests continue to rage in Hong Kong right as we're speaking over these new proposed laws. And I don't think they will calm down anytime soon. What would you do if a foreign country was trying to change your way of life? Beijing likely wants these laws to be vague, as this means that they can exercise the restrictions in any manner that they choose, a position that the CCP consistently tries to consolidate and maintain. Hong Kong and Taiwan have become the ideological battlegrounds of democracy. And the big question is, which will win? Liberty or authority? Flash news. Flash news. Flash news. Joe Rogan is moving to Spotify and getting paid a hundred million dollars for Isn't it. Isn't that US as well? Yeah, baby. Isn't it also video? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We might have video on Spotify soon. That'd be maybe. Weird. Yeah, moving up. Jacinda Ardern says a plan for New Zealand and Australian trans-Tasman travel is to be presented in early June. Trump declares a war on Fox. Also on Trump, Twitter has put a icon next to one of his tweets saying, you need to fact check this. It's a click through as well. It links to an article <laughs> that, so, that discounts what he said. Like nice. they are, they're like labeling him as fake news, basically. That's crazy that Twitter's finally made that move. That's the first time it's ever been done. Telstra is ripping on 5G conspiracy theorists on Facebook. Scotland bans companies based in tax havens from accessing coronavirus bailout money. Ew. Oh. New Zealand. Why do I always get the New Zealand ones? Because you're Zealand- fucking Kiwi. Yeah, right, you got me. New Zealand is considering trialling a four-day work week to boost the economy. I like that. I like that too. 
the smoke from Australia's summer bushfires killed 445 people and put thousands in hospital, an inquiry hears. That's more than COVID so far. Wow. Venezuela is escorting Iranian fuel tankers and unlikely allegiance. LeBron James has called out Minnesota police officers over a video that's gone viral of showing them murdering a man. The war in Afghanistan could potentially be coming to a close as the Taliban and the government is within a ceasefire. Doubt it. WA was supposed to be out of the tunnel of COVID, but then this random ship rocked up with COVID people on it, so we might be going into a second wave. (laughs) All right, guys, I just want to, well, all of us would like to disclose that we do our best. We do our best to verify, but we do encourage everyone to do their own research. Grain of salt, grain of salt. We like taking liberties. Get in the know, you know, you know, put your ear to the ground. We want this to be fun. We want this to, we don't want to be us like, oh, we we listened to the Australians uh, podcast roundup the other day, and it was, it was literally like this, like that Stephen Hawking, like soundbite thing. It was Bixby, like, cranky. Bixby trash. Yeah, I'm glad to know that that's our competition. But, as always, thanks for listening. Always fact check for yourself. Do your best verify. We love Love you all. Bye.